Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dominic. How's it going, Dominic? It's good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, three weeks, right? I think is what we came up with that you've been gone. Haven't talked to you in a while. Missed you. Had a little, uh, had a bit of a bye week there, yeah. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> way it goes. Right. But it's good to be back. That's good. And uh, Jordan, it's been a couple of weeks, Jordan, since I had some computer issues after we recorded with Ian. How's it going? We them boys. <laughs> we them boys. Um, yeah, so it's been a while for those of you guys who weren't really keeping up to date on social media or whatever. I had some computer issues. That's why we kind of missed a week there with the podcast, but it went up. Had a good time with Ian. And uh, yeah, on to episode 32 now. So we're going to be hopping into what we've been playing. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I haven't been playing too much. Uh, like I said, I had some computer issues, so I was kind of troubleshooting that and dealing with that stuff. Um, but I did have some time to play some games. Um, as of the day of recording this, the Battlefield 1 EA Access came out. Um, so it came out early for people on Xbox One. And, uh, man, that game's phenomenal. So, obviously, we talked about before uh, Dom and I both played the beta, the multiplayer beta. It was fun. It was Battlefield, looked pretty, all that stuff. You kind of expected that. What I did not expect is the opening of this of the game. Um, so you open the game, and it's... Uh, you're, you're this soldier, um, this African-American soldier laying on this bed, and he's, like, kind of waking up, and he gets touched on the shoulder by a nurse, and then he immediately gets a flashback, and it goes back to the war, and um, from that point on, it even gives you a war. It gives you a story of, like, you know, uh, the Great War, it was brutal, yada, 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 it goes on and on, giving you a little bit about uh, World War One, and then um, it says... Uh, in these scenes, you're meant to die, or you uh, you have a zero percent success rate, or something like that. Basically, saying you're going to die no matter what. And this is where it gets really interesting. So it's very brutal. It's you're in this bunker to begin with, and there's nonstop people coming at you, and you're trying to fend them off, and you only have limited ammo. You end up dying. As soon as you die, it gives the name of a real soldier, and it gives his birthday and his uh, his his death date. And then it cuts to another guy that's behind a Gatling gun, and these are all like five minute set pieces and you're defending above a trench with a gatling gun uh the gatling gun goes out they end up you're like in this like broken down church they end up coming through with flamethrowers you end up dying there his name comes up birth date death date cuts to another guy does this like four or five times and you go from the infantry guy to the guy on the turret you end up being a guy a gunner in a tank and then you end up being a guy deep in the trenches with a gas mask on um uh, yeah, and it goes through and through, and every guy that dies, you end up um, seeing their their name and then their, like I said, their death date and their birthday, and it it uh, really gives you an idea of how brutal and how unelegant and how un like I don't know. It just it really sets the tone for that time, and it respects it. And it was very sad uh, actually playing it, but it was I liked it because it was a real a real take on that time, right? Um, there was no it's a smart way to do tutorials. Yeah, it wasn't even a tutorial. It wasn't even the like the you weren't even super learning how to play the game. It was just like these weird like weirdly emotional set pieces. And then so the last one is it cuts to a mortar uh, striking, and then um, it goes to black, and it comes back, and there's two soldiers alive, uh, a German soldier and the black guy from the 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 first opening where he gets the flashback, and they're sitting there pointing their guns at each other. And then they look around and see the hundreds upon hundreds of dead bodies, and they just lower their guns, and then it cuts to the, the beginning of the actual main menu of the game and stuff. But it was it was really interesting. I'm going on and on, but like I'm excited to see where this game goes. I haven't played the actual first part of the game. I guess that's part part of it, but that was just like the opening. 
but I did not expect when that first guy died. I thought it was like, okay, you're getting, uh, like you said, the tutorial of the game, and then you die, and then you start the game. I did not expect to see a real person's name of somebody who died and see when they were born, when they died, and then have that happen over and over again, you know? And I think that was a smart design choice um, because it kind of lets you know that these are real people and, you know, real people died in this war. It wasn't some made-up thing, you know, some Call of Duty or something. Um, I know some of the stories in the game are obviously fictitious, but, like, yeah, it was really powerful. Um, that's all I can say about that. Uh, it's crazy. Um, the other thing I played is Overwatch. There's a new um, Halloween event where you can get skins for Overwatch characters, which is really cool. There's, like, a Frankenstein's monster skin and uh, vampires and zombies and stuff. So they're always really good about their events. They actually fixed the problem with the last event. So for the Olympic event, people didn't like that you can earn the chests, but you can't buy them with the gold currency you earn in the game because you can buy anything else in the game except for those event items. They changed that this time around where you can buy the event items as well with regular gold. So uh, good on Blizzard for doing that. Um, yeah, and then I, I didn't play too many video games, like I said, but I did consume other media quite a bit. I watched the premiere of Westworld on HBO, which is fantastic. Uh, I haven't nice. caught episode two yet. I just haven't gotten around to it, but I love that show. It's really cool. A lot of people are describing it as uh, Jurassic World, but Wild West. That's a perfect way to describe it. Um, what were you going to say, Jordan? I just think uh, I was satisfied with episode one, but I think episode two is like really, really good. That's what I heard. People like it. It dives yeah. deeper into it. And I, with the premiere, it's kind of hard because like you want it to be good, but you also want to like you're trying to introduce this whole world and this whole narrative. Yep. So it's it's a weird balance there. But like, yeah, so many good actors in that show, and uh, it's a really cool concept. It's based on a, what a 1974 movie or something like that. Something like in the 70s. Yeah, and the book and the movie are both written by the guy who wrote Jurassic World. So that's why or Jurassic Park. Sorry. Um, so that's why you kind of see the same thing there. Um, and I also have caught up on every episode of Atlanta except for episode 7, I think, is the one I'm missing. That oh, show's phenomenal. Man. Um, episode 7 is crazy. Episode 6 was, or 5 was crazy. The Justin Bieber episode where it's like, what if Justin Bieber was like black? Super interesting. <laughs> um, I love that show a lot. Uh, Atlanta's super cool. Donald Glover's yeah. awesome. I think he recently just had his first kid, so... Congratulations to him. And then the last yeah. thing, I don't want to go on too long. Um, I read the first issue of Green Valley, which is a, a comic book event uh, written by Max Landis. And um, I didn't read his Superman um, comic, but a lot of people loved it. And I love Max Landis, so I was excited to read this. It takes like high fantasy and puts a weird spin on it, which is cool. Um, you said something that I didn't even think about because I just kind of expected it. Um, but you said that this is like one of the best-looking uh comic slash graphic novels that you've read in a while and going back yeah. and looking at it after you said that I was like yeah this I didn't really think about it until afterwards but it is really pretty it's a really pretty uh, comic book so if you get a it's chance to read gorgeous. that it's really cool yeah it's and the story in place is kind of predictable but not really and knowing Max Landis even though I think I know where the story is going, I, I'm ready to get my mind melted because that guy uh, is off the beaten path when it comes to storytelling. So I'm interested yeah. to see where that goes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, what about you guys? So yeah, shout out to Max Landis because not only was Green Valley amazing, uh, the first issue at least, uh, but he's also working on a couple TV shows right now. He's got Dirk Gently coming out later this month. But uh, what I want to talk about is Channel Zero, yeah, um, I watched that too. I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't even find out about it until the night that it aired, but uh, I guess it's the first season 
each season is based off of a different creepypasta, which is basically, if you don't know, it's like uh, these posts on the internet where people just do these text posts that are supposed to creep people out, and they're supposed to be, like, scary and, like, uh, spine-tingling type stuff. And um, so the first one's based off of Candle Cove, which is, like, this TV show that only, like, certain kids can see when they're watching, um, you know, like... uh, fuzzy TVs that are just, like, the, the static snow, um, it's, like, this really creepy puppet pirate show, (laughs) and, um, so, yeah, that, that show is really, really cool, I've been getting into a lot of horror stuff since it's, uh, month of October, and that really hit the sweet spot for me, I thought it was really quite terrifying, and really, like, bonkers batshit crazy, um, if you ask me, so, uh, shout out to Max Landis, yeah, because, Green Valley was super, super good, um, and so was Channel Zero, and I can't wait for Dirk Gently later on, so, um, there's that, and then, uh, played a little bit of video games these last couple weeks, uh, played some Overcooked, uh, that game is clearly designed for multiplayer, I've been trying to play it single player, and it's like, it's, you have to be, if you want a three star levels on single player in that game, you have to be absolutely perfect, um, which... I am not a robot, so that's that's not always <laughs> how it works for me. I, yeah. I've tried, like, for a couple hours on c- certain levels to beat them by myself. So uh, there's that, which is a fun game. I also played it with my brother, and it is a lot better if you have someone to play with. So um, that's definitely worth shouting out. Um, and then started re-watching Season 6 of The Walking Dead and uh, ah. reading some more of the comic just to, you know, kind of get caught up before Season 7 premieres not is this it? Sunday, but next Sunday. Yeah, who we're, we're going to figure who out who it? got killed by Negan, which I'm sure the internet's already figured out by now because there's theories upon theories, but I have stayed completely away from that. Just haven't even touched it because I, I want it to be a surprise and I want to... I want to experience it as it as it plays out. So well, I can tell you, the internet does not know. I've been following all of it, and no one seems to definitively know. I've heard like everything. Yeah, I'm sure there's a theory for each individual person that was in that scene, actually dying. But uh, I'm actually enjoying season six uh, more now that I'm watching it at my own pace instead of week to week. Um, the back half of season six I thought was really strong when I watched it on TV, but I thought the first half was kind of rough. Um, but I've seen the first five episodes again, and this time it's, it's better with the pacing when you're just watching it as you want. Um, also a little over halfway through Luke Cage, um, thought I was going to like this show more than I do. Um, I thought this was going to be more akin to Daredevil, which is my favorite of the Marvel Netflix shows. And, uh, it's actually more, a lot more like Jessica Jones, a lot less action, a lot more, uh, drama and dialogue, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, I'm not really a huge fan of Jessica Jones. I didn't think it was a very good show and this show's solid, but it's really, I wouldn't consider it like great at all. It's really just kind of middle of the road for me. So, um, I'll still finish it and I'm still excited for defenders and all that, but, uh, really I'm kind of waiting for iron fist, which I think is going to be really up my alley. So, um, Trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I think that's about it. So, yeah. Solid list. But I haven't been playing a whole lot of games at all in the last couple of weeks. I know it's been a while since we talked, so I should have a a bucket list right now of games. But 
pretty much only got some chance, got the chance to play some Vita games. So I finished Dead Nation finally. Nice. Um, it's a fun game. I really like that actually. Um, yeah. Talked about it before. It's just nice, top down, kind of mindless zombie shooter. It's just kind of fun. Um, beyond that, I finished up Lego Force Awakens on Vita too, which was cool. not really a great game, but I Ooh. I love that movie like to death and this game had a lot of cool little funny little jokes that you know what i mean that were just kind of cute kind of funny interesting and the the way they handled like the story so the game follows pretty much the plot line of the movie almost like step for step but the way they handle it all i think was pretty much perfect as far as that's concerned where they put in some filler stuff you know for there to be gameplay but the gameplay itself is it's a lego game so it's horrendously simple but it's fine yeah. you know and then i got through about the first hour no more than that of persona 4 um yeah i don't i don't have nearly enough time in to even say any more than that about it so i'm just gonna hold off but okay just giving us a little more, teaser of what's to come <laughs> yeah i don't feel i can like I, I, this is like so clearly an enormous game and you can tell right when you start and like how long it's kind of building up because I haven't even really done anything yet in the game even yeah. though I played it for a whole hour. Yeah. yeah. Obviously I'm going to give it a chance because I understand the nature of it but more to come. So. Did That's, you enjoy your first hour? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, okay. I don't totally understand it yet but... Dom, I have another question for you. Uh, where the hell is the Uncharted single player DLC? That's a great question. <laughs> I feel like it's about time for that, at least well, to be announced. Yeah, to announce it, because if I remember correctly, the Last of Us single-player DLC was a, a year after the game release. I, I could be wrong on that, yeah. but... No, you're right, you're right. But yeah, they you'd think they'd have said something. They need to make sure to have that PS4 Pro update ready, so that's probably what's taking so long. Uh. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you brought that up, because the Last of Us remastered is supposed to be played, or you know, can be played at 4K, like straight up on ps4 pro which i'm extremely excited for i was in the middle of replaying that game on like on uh, the highest difficulty i forget what they call it but i'm gonna hold off until i get a new tv and get my pro so because why not i like how they keep oh, yeah. throwing out last of us out there so that way people don't get mad at the fact that all of their exclusives get delayed they're just like oh yeah last of us yeah. remember that good game here here's mm-hmm. another version of it yeah <laughs> um let's get into the news so the first piece here is actually a trailer that came out a couple of days ago it came out on the 10th of October, um, the new Prey trailer, and this is interesting, but I guess it's kind of expected from Bethesda. So the the trailer's titled "Another You," uh, Y U, because that's the last name of the protagonist, and it's a trailer from the female perspective of uh, Morgan Yu, who's the main character we already knew about. But this is if you played as a woman. So at the beginning of the game, it seems like you're going to be able to choose if you want your Morgan to be a man or a woman. Um, interesting thing. Uh, we'll talk about the trailer real quick, but in the description, it actually talks about. Um, uh, the Typhon threat uh, is uh, is the threat that's facing uh, this game. So the aliens are weird, like, spirit demon things that you see from the trailer. And the world or the planet or the space station that they're on is called Talos, which is pretty interesting, or Talos 1. Um, so we got a, a couple of hints there at what the world is going to be. Um, as well as they state, uh, while the choice won't change the story or how you interact with the world, because Morgan Yu is Morgan Yu, and he or she will be defined by the choices you make, it's yet another way that Arcane is saying yes to the player. So it's basically saying that it won't change the game at all, just do you want to play as a man, do you want to play as a woman? Cool. Um, 
and it's obvious there's voice acting in the game. I think the female voice acting is great. Um, yeah, so as far as the trailer goes, I thought it looked really interesting. Um, it kind of makes me sad that we're not seeing any new Dead Space, um, but I'm interested to see oh, where, this, where Prey is being taken. Um, I don't think it's going as survival horror as the first Dead Space was by any means, but I do think it's kind of leaning towards that way. Um, like we talked about before the show, I think the first Prey was a little bit more mystical than scary, whereas I think this one's going a little bit more horror. Um and I'm interested to see where that goes. As far as uh, when this game comes out, I think I'm going to be playing as the female just because um, hearing her dialogue in the trailer and hearing her perspective, it seems a lot more interesting to me. And plus, there's many games where I hear a guy talk, so it's kind of refreshing. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the gameplay trailer as a whole? So do you remember a game last gen called Fear? Yeah. yeah. I love Fear. Yeah, I adored that game because um, I, I went on a really big... Uh, horror game binge for a while last gen and i absolutely love that game i don't the, the it that's what it kind of made me think of very I, it's very different but that's kind of what, what it reminded me of this those like weird black shadowy monster things i don't yeah that that just kind of gave me the the vibe of those supernatural things you saw in that in uh fear so but yeah it looks prey looks really cool i'm excited is it is it just me or do the environments kind of look very Bioshocky? Like Rapture was this very yeah. beautiful place that was torn down, and this seems like this is going to be the same thing. Um, it gives me a lot of Bioshock System Shock vibes, so I'm pretty intrigued. Yeah, yeah, sure. What about you, Jordan? What do you think about the trailer as a whole and the fact that you will be able to play as a woman if you want to? Yeah, I'm definitely down. I really like it when uh, games allow you to choose uh, between two protagonists. It does mean that they have to record the voice the voiceover lines twice. Um, but that's, you know, a cool thing for them to do. And, uh, besides that, yeah, I'm definitely getting Bioshock vibes. I honestly didn't even think of the Dead Space vibes until you brought that up and just ripped a little piece out of my heart there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, since we're not getting a Dead Space as we know, or that we know about right now, um, hopefully this will kind of fill that gap for me. And, um, of course I'm a huge Bioshock fan, so, um... Bioshock in space, which could be the next Bioshock game since um, they kind of go underwater and then to the sky and then maybe to space. Um, Bioshock in space is definitely something that interests me. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited about this game. Um, they said 2017 at the end of the trailer, but I'm thinking, like, why are we still doing this, guys? Like, why, why are we still putting a year on the end of trailers when you have no idea if that's really going to be the case. I just think... When, I'm wondering when developers and publishers are going to learn. Just, like, just announce the release date six months out. Like, it's the internet age. There's not going to be anybody who doesn't... Any gamer that doesn't know about your game that's well, interested in it. It's fine. Those six months. It's fine if they're right. Well, also... It's <laughs> fine if they're right, but, I mean, when was yeah. the last game you remember not being Exactly, delayed, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And if anything, at the very at the very best, this is a year out. For me, I, would, I wouldn't mind if this was a trailer at E3 that's like, they don't give a specific date. They say this will come out by the end of the year 2017, because then you're not beholden to a specific date. Then that's when you should put the 2017 at the end of your trailer at E3. I think this is way too far out. I agree with Jordan. Um, the interesting thing here is... Um, so... People are having an issue um, with early early test plays of Dishonored 2 that as you uh, you can play as one of the two characters. You can play as Corvo or what's the girl's name? I forgot her name. Um, Emily. 
Emily. And the issue people are having is that um, playing uh, through through the game as either of those characters doesn't really change anything. And I think this game is the, is a, the same thing but a different perspective. And this is this exactly the same character. So if you play as a woman or play as you play a man, uh, you wouldn't expect a different experience, right? Different dialogue options because you are the same character. People are having issues with Dishonored 2 because they're supposed to be two uh, different characters, but the dialogue is essentially the same with like one filler line thrown in for each of those characters. Yeah. So it's actually a big yeah. negative that's coming out from people um, playing the game early and saying that why would you have those two options in there if it wasn't different? Those aren't the same character. This That's different than this, right? Where it's the same yeah. character and it doesn't matter because it should be the same dialogue. Um, so we'll see. I think with Dishonored, it's more gameplay differences. And yeah. I agree with you. They should have stressed that when they brought it up at E3, um, which I was surprised to hear about that too. But um, I definitely think if you play it twice, uh, Dishonored 2, you'll have enough gameplay differences that you'll be satisfied. So I, yeah. I guess I, I must have missed how they portrayed this, but to me this is kind of like a, a Fallout 4 situation or a Skyrim where you can pick male or female and you don't want it to have any differences. Now, in Skyrim, for example, if you pick a different race or if you pick um, like an Imperial and then go talk to some of the yeah. uh, northern people, then they're kind of mean to you because of the race you picked. But yeah. yeah. If in the world that they create, your gender won't make a difference in how people react to you and how the game would play, then I don't. I guess. Well, the I mean, Dishonored it, is different because Dishonored but, is two separate characters. Like they're characters in the narrative. They're two separate characters. You know, they shouldn't be talked to the same. That doesn't make sense. I mean, whether it's right or wrong, though, wouldn't it be more realistic for characters to not NPCs to re- react differently based on whether you're a man or a woman? Like you shouldn't. Yeah you know, treat someone differently just because they're male or female, but that is realistic, you know. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. We'll see what happens with the Prey. I'm excited. The game's getting me super excited. Like I said, we might not get Dead Space for a while, so this might fill that gap. Um, I'm excited, so excited, excited, excited. Oh, again. Um, the next got story the here Dead comes Space by... Blues. <laughs> next story comes by way of Eurogamer. Cuphead delayed until mid-next year. Um, so everyone knows the awesome 1930s-ish uh, Disney animation uh, style game Cuphead. We've been waiting for it. It's been delayed till mid-2017. They said that they uh, they basically don't want to um, tarnish the scope of the game or their original vision, so they're kind of pushing it out. To me, I think that's just filler PR talk. I think the reasoning behind this delay is that they tried adding in platforming. It looked really bad. They want to have that platforming because they want it to be a full game, so they're, they're, I'd assume they're bringing in people that can make platformers. And I think they're retooling it from the ground up. I think they're going to rework all the platforming levels because um, the flying levels looked really interesting. They looked really fun. The boss battles looked really solid. The overlay map looked really solid. But the platforming levels, that's you know that's a level-to-level basis of a, of a game. It's going to be a platforming game. When people point that game out, it's going to be labeled Cuphead, a platformer game. So if your platforming isn't good, that's not going to help sell the game, right? So I personally think yeah. that this, this whole delay was... 100% on the platforming. I think they're reworking it from the ground up because it didn't look very, uh, I don't know, didn't look very good. Um, so what do you guys think? Did, was this a justified delay? Do you Are you uh, surprised by the delay? Why do you think it's getting delayed? Yeah. Take your time, I guess. What I, Delays don't even, I don't even hear it anymore. Just, it's yeah. like we're just jaded as gamers, dude. Yeah, exactly. We're just so yeah. jaded at this point because it's almost... It's really disrespectful to the gamer, is what it is. You know, it's just taking advantage of 
trying to get pre-orders and trying... I mean, not necessarily for an indie game like Cuphead, but certainly in the AAA space, it's something where um, they are trying to capitalize on pre-orders and getting that hype out um, kind of ahead of everybody else. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely tired of these delays, but... Um, and I'm not even going to say anything like, oh, well, as long as it's good, you know. I just think, just like I said with uh, Prey 2, you just gotta quit promising your game so quickly there's absolutely no reason because what you're doing is building up hype and then you're yanking the rug out from gamers and then their hype just fades away it's not like oh well that game got delayed and it's probably going to be better now so i'm even more hyped i don't think anyone feels that way so um another another game gets delayed and this trend continues and I'm just wondering when it's going to change. I feel like it's going to have to change at some point because gamers are going to get fed up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, are it's, they though? it's just That's another. If we don't, I mean, if we still buy the games, that, you know. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? You know, you yeah. can't, like, the the developers are working as hard as they can. It's most likely a publisher choice to, to mm-hmm. make these promises on when the release date's going to be and when you're going to announce the release date. Um, and yeah, they are trying to make the game better. It's not like they're delaying it to like fuck it up, you know? So, um, it sucks. It sucks. And it's really not a thing that you have to deal with in any other industry. If a movie gets delayed, it gets delayed before you even realize that what the release date was going to be in the first place. Um, and they kind of just change the date around without you even knowing. Um, so it's really not something that you have to deal with in any, in any other entertainment industry so it sucks and um yeah i just really hope that we're shifting away from that but i guess we'll see in some happier news uh switching <laughs> on to that um by way of kotaku uh, valve is actually adding native dualshock 4 support to steam which is awesome because a lot of people know that the xbox uh one and the xbox 360 controllers for the longest time are the go-to uh controllers for uh pc just because they work easily plug and play for the most part um, and you have to actually go through a whole back-end thing to get PlayStation controllers to work. Um, but remember, we got the dongle earlier this year, and now they're adding native 4K support for Steam. So as long as you have that dongle and you have your, your DualShock, you'll be good to go. And uh, you'll be able to play, you know, PC games with your DualShock 4, which is awesome. Um, so, so DualShock 4 already worked pretty well with PCs. You just had to download this tiny little program, and, you know, it worked well. But the problem is that pretty much every PC game is only made for the Xbox controller. Yeah. Even if you're yep. playing perfectly with a DualShock 4, you know, your your circle square buttons aren't when they show the button on the screen, it's <laughs> exactly. not it doesn't correspond yep. and that can that's kind of like uh, so but this is a good step towards maybe more developers because it is on the developers to make their games work with both controllers, right? So maybe as they see more people using DualShocks on PC, they'll start doing that more, hopefully. So and I mean, it'll be is- easy cuz as long as the game is on PS4, then they just have to, yeah. you know... Oh, it'll take like, someone an hour. Take so those... That, that's, yeah, know, they but. just have to take the little icon emblems and put them in the yeah. game. Exactly. So they just probably never bothered because no one used DualShocks on PC until now. Right. Yeah. And Congratulations, it, PC Master Race. You now yeah. are able to officially use the greatest controller of all time. I don't know about that, but... I don't know about that, IMHO, IMHO. That at least you get to use whatever controller you want now, and you're not have to go through, okay. jump through a bunch of hoops and everything. Jared, your favorite controller of all time is the GameCube controller, correct? N- mm, no, it has to be the 360. From like 
I thought you said that on our on our topic. Well, yeah, from like a like a design standpoint, I think the the GameCube is the the best controller. But from like a usability, like everyday use, I'd have to say the 360 probably. I haven't touched a DualShock Four though, so I have no opinion on it. I've never used it. I don't. Yeah. 360 controller, like the battery pack that jutted out. I hated that. It was still better than the DualShock Three for sure, but. Yeah. That, yeah. You've already had a controller discussion, but uh, yes, awesome. This <laughs> is happening. So, um, props to Sony for getting that done, um, or whoever got it done. Really, Steam. Um, the last story here comes away with GameSpot. You guys have probably heard about this earlier this week, um, but Mass Effect Andromeda, its uh, release date, um, supposedly got leaked. Uh, there was an art book posting for Mass Effect Andromeda on Amazon. And it was listed for a March 21st, 2017 release. And it stated in the description that it will release alongside the video game. So people are speculating or seeing that obviously this means that the Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be released the 21st of March. There was a second story that followed up where a leak for the European release date came out that it was the 24th of March. That kind of lines up three days after the American release. Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I think it's probably spot on that this is the date that they're aiming for. Um we're waiting for the N7 uh, event, obviously, a month from now to find out when exactly the release date is, but I'm pretty sure this is the release date. This is it, it outed, right? Um, it's the official art book, and it's coming out the same day, and it's listed for March 21st. So what do you guys think? Is this, like, a confirmed? Is it? Is this the date they're planning on? Jared, can you feel the hype? Can you feel it? Oh, God. <laughs> can you feel it? This is the date. Let's go. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Jordan, are you going to finish the rest of the games before this comes out? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is not a Persona situation we're talking about. Um, <laughs> those yeah. games are actually manageable. Um, actually, as soon as I finish Blood and Wine, which I'm getting pretty close on, uh, then I'll be starting Mass Effect 2. Um, Good one. But um, anyways, um, I do think, you know, I, I, I enjoy art books and buying, excuse me, like uh, the uh, strategy guides and stuff. And 99% of the time, the day they're released is the day the game is also released. So um, this makes sense. It makes sense for the timeline, even though we haven't seen shit from this game, really. Yeah. Um, That's the only thing that kind of is the speed bump for me, just that um, coming out in March is still really soon for the amount of gameplay that they've shown. They're going to blow it 7th, out of the water. They said they're opening event, yeah. the doors. Yeah, they said they're opening the doors on the on the series. We'll see. You're going to see it all. You're going to see it undressed, bent over, everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to violate Mass Effect, but uh, anyways. <laughs> I'm, inter- um, I'm interested to see if it's going to be like the Square Enix Final Fantasy event. Not that they give a false date for the release, um, but that... Uh, <laughs> That, what if they show off, like, you know, for the Final Fantasy event, they showed off the anime, and they showed off Kingslave, and then they showed off uh, other stuff? Uh, a Mass Effect movie? I don't know about that. That'd be cool, but I don't know if that's where you announce it. I mean, uh, maybe a new line of novels. I think they already announced that, but maybe showing more yeah, about we're already, them. Yeah, we're um, already getting the novels. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this takes us. I wouldn't be surprised. What if they do the thing where they said they're not working on, you know, remasters, but what if at the N7 date thing they pull the, it's available in the next week or so for the Mass Effect remaster collection or something like that? That's still a possibility. Yeah. They've said multiple times they're not doing that, so I I really think they aren't, especially since it's backwards compatible on Xbox. Um, and then... Only the first one uh, is. Only Mass Effect 1 is backwards compatible. Oh. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. But, uh... Um, yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's probably not going to happen because it's it's too close uh, even yeah. for that. 
I'm just um, a dreaming. I'm just dreaming. Uh, just, just dreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do think a movie is a possibility because we've got the art book. We're getting the novels, and um, they've done a Mass Effect anime movie before. Um, so it's not out of the question. And actually, Bioware has done that for Dragon Age as well. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a Bioware thing that they like to do. Um, so yeah, I would really love a movie, whether it's uh, 3D or 2D. Um, I'd love kind of a King Slave situation, and uh, Mass Effect universe is totally ripe for that. So um, I think that's my biggest hope out of this in seven thing because I mean, think about it. Like they've already announced the novels. They could announce like a comic book or something, but that's not a huge deal. Exactly. And what are they going to have an event just to show you know twenty thirty minutes of gameplay and then be done with it? I think. You know, maybe you do need to announce something else other than, than just the game. Maybe you do need to throw in a little feature film or something. True, but a counterpoint to that is, like you said, we haven't really seen anything. So I think they might might want to just show us a whole lot, you know? Maybe they See, are that's hearing a... from gamers that, like, we haven't seen anything. They're like, okay, we're going to show you a ton, you know? so You guys, that's the dress is other... coming off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Dom, you're oh, God. creeping me out this episode. Um, <laughs> I, uh... My biggest fear is that they show too much because they've held it back for so long that they're like, oh, we really got to blow it out. Not so then, possible. like, what if. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a huge game, but then, yeah, what if what if we do see, like, an hour of it? And that's too much for any game, I feel like, you know, in one sitting, you know. I wouldn't have wanted to see that much of The Witcher. Um, and People have uploaded, like, 45 minutes of Final Fantasy 15, which is insane to me. That's super yeah. surprising to me. Yeah, like, and, and I don't, I'm not really watching that stuff because I'm like, that's you know, exactly. that's too big of a chunk to where I feel like I want to be just teased. need to play the game. Yeah, I just want to be yeah. teased. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't. Well, I don't know about teased because that's what they've been doing. I want, well, I want, also... I want a, a steak dinner, but I don't want a four course meal. I guess the beauty of this is you can watch as much as you want and then turn it off at the point where you feel you're satisfied, which is cool too. You know, true. You'd be like, okay, I've seen enough. They're still going on. They're going to show a bunch more stuff. I'm cool. I'm tuning out. So we'll see. I'm saying we're going to get something, even if it isn't a movie. I think we're going to get some uh, other form of, you know, like entertainment media from this. Um, Maybe like a little anime mini series, like Brotherhood, Final Fantasy, something like that. I definitely Netflix. Ooh, that'd be sick. Oh, what if they were just like, yeah. 13 episode Netflix series comes out in December or something like that. <laughs> That'd that, be insane. That would be like live action. Oh man. So yeah, I'm predicting we're going to get a, a multimedia, um, some form of entertainment from that in seven reveal. On to the topics. So actually going off of the Mass Effect Andromeda talk from our news, um, you want to talk about Jordan, how to handle hype. You want to clarify? How to handle hype. That's a good way to put it. I think you nail hit the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, it's it's how, and we've talked about this a lot, me specifically, with Mass Effect and how EA has handled the hype and how Bioware has handled the hype, and I don't think they've done well at all. Um, we'll see how they handle this in 7 uh, event, but <clears throat> I think uh, this is more handling hype from the gamer's perspective and how we go about it, um, what's kind of your ritual leading up to a... Uh, game release that you're really excited for um do you play do you play or replay the uh the earlier games in the series do you you know read or watch some of the multimedia stuff that goes along with that universe um 
Do you just watch a bunch of gameplay videos and trailers? Um, what's kind of your deal with hype? How do you go about it? And um, how do you keep get from getting overhyped? Um, okay. I'll give a little example here. Even though it's not a video game, the uh, final full trailer for Rogue One, the Star Wars movie, came out today. And um, I'm really excited about that movie. But uh, recently I made a big decision to... Um, really with movies, but um, kind of with games too. I'm really trying to only watch the first trailer. Same. Of anything that comes out, like even if it's a teaser, which is kind of perfect because it doesn't show much. I'm really just starting to watch the first trailer. It gives me an idea of what it is without spoiling the whole thing. And then you don't get trailer two, three, and four where it's like giving you these big character reveals or these big uh, reveals as far as story or plot or whatever. Um, I don't like that because I like to be surprised and I feel like, you know, people say, oh, well, movie trailers these days give away everything. I think movie trailers have always given away everything and, and same with game trailers, um, RIP. You, uh, you've always seen the end of the game, like scene, cut scenes from the end of a game that you just didn't know were the ending um, until you played the game. So I don't think that's a new thing and so I've kind of just had to reel it in and reel myself in on the hype some because um, I've gotten overhyped for games and it's like um, you get so hyped up on a game and then it comes out and you almost don't want to play it just because you're you're tired of it already, which is weird because you haven't even played it. But you're just tired of like seeing the aesthetic, seeing you know cutscenes or seeing trailers and, and it just kind of um, the your hype kind of withers. So go ahead and. Uh, Spell it out for me, boys. How do you deal with hype? I agree um, with you. Yeah, go ahead, Dom. Yeah, I agree. There's there, For most most games, anyway, there, there's just too much out there too early. And if you watch every last thing, then you're diluting the experience of the actual game when you do get it. Absolutely. Now, I like to watch one or two trailers. Not really any more than that. I don't want to yeah. watch any gameplay, really, other than like the gameplay that's in the trailers. You know, I don't want to watch 40-minute gameplay videos. Where I get a, game, get a feel you know I mean? for it, yeah. If it, and if it's a game, I know I'm buying anyway. If it's something I'm like borderline on, then that stuff is great. Right, you get a, a better idea of what it is. But for the, like games that we get hyped on and that I'm going to buy no matter what, yeah, I, I try to stay away from stuff. Especially more and more the, these days, like I just try to stay away from everything uh, as much as I can. Hard, I, I'm a sucker for the trailers though, so I always always get in the trailers just because they usually don't. Especially for games, they don't give away like. Too much. I I don't think they're that bad, but when there's five of them, then yeah, you're getting into that territory. Um, I love a good trailer, yeah. Yeah, but then uh, you brought it up earlier too. That's that's another thing I, I do is kind of go back and play some of the old games. That's why I just uh, replayed, not replayed, but played for the first time Skyward Sword, just because of uh, all the all the hype I have around uh, Breath of the Wild. So I just wanted to yeah. go back and get that in, and I might. I'm thinking about finding a way to get back and play Twilight Princess again. Um, Ooh. Before that, but I mean, I'm I'm only like semi having that desire because of the hype around Breath of the Wild again. So that's part of it too. So and kind of like you getting into Mass Effect, I I think that has a little bit to do with that there at least. So yeah, everyone uh, everyone's a little different. Then the last part of my ritual is buying a couple of Red Bulls and some Oreos. And having an all-night gaming session. Ugh, I don't know about those game. two in combination. That's a little, that's a little messy. You don't dip them in your 
Red Bull to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Gross. Oh, God. Um, I think the biggest side effect and the worst side effect of hype is pre-orders. I think that um, a lot of times people will see the first trailer for a game, get hyped up, and then pre-order a game. And then it turns out it doesn't come out for 10 years. So, like all those people that pre-ordered a Versus 13 or whatever it was called, uh, Final Fantasy 15. Like, um, but as far as hype goes... Have you, guys, I, have you heard sorry. about those receipts? Yeah. Like people have receipts that say they pre-ordered Final Fantasy Versus 13? That's insane. Um, but, but as far as hype goes, um, I think... I, I've learned to manage my expectations and I don't really get super hyped. Yeah. Like even for Mass Effect, so like Mass Effect is my favorite franchise. I'm excited for Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm like hyped or intense about it. Like I'm I'll I can't wait for that game to come out, but I'm not hyped. It's weird. Like um as far as like the trailers and stuff too, I made it a point not to watch that Rogue One trailer today, just because I'm like, I already have enough. One of the best things about Star Wars is the intrigue to me. And walking to that movie yeah. theater and not knowing everything, like I was, I was pretty good at doing that with um, Force Awakens, and I enjoyed that because it's like the this whole spectacle of it. Now I'm Dude. super guilt. Sorry, good. No, I, you bring up a good point. So the Force Awakens did an awesome job at that, even in, in all the trailers, and it was known that Mark Hamill was in the movie, but they handled it so well because no one actually knew what his role was going to be in that movie, and they, I, I thought they played that so perfectly. Yeah, I mean, if he had been in the trailers, then his whole part in the movie would have been in the trailers. So exactly, spoilers. But um, I think I'm a, I'm I'm super guilty of uh, watching too many things when it comes to superhero movies in general. Uh, it's weird because like for yeah. a lot of normal movies that aren't superhero movies, I watch the first trailer and I'm good. I'm like, I understand that. I put it on the list. I'm like, I want to watch that. But when it comes to superhero movies, I'm just so invested in superhero culture. Like, I love it so much. I'm like, oh, what's in this one? What's in this one? What's in this one? Are they going to show Ant-Man yeah. in this trailer? Um, but, I mean, you got to indulge yourself sometimes. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, hype in general, I've just learned to manage expectations. I think people need to learn that, too, so you don't get No Man's Skyed. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I just really think that you need to come to terms yourself with when you can hype yourself up and when you can't. And... Uh, I think it also goes to the whole hype train of the six months to the one year of video games. Like, if I was so hyped for Fallout 4 and it was because they announced it and said it was coming out really soon, and that got me super hyped because it's kind of like the adrenaline factor of like, you know, your endorphins get really high and then they go away and then you forget about the game and then you're like, oh yeah, it's coming out and you're not excited anymore. But the fact that that game only. You can only keep it up for so long. (laughs) Exactly. Wink, wink. Um, And. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just you just it's it's a uh, tough to uh, manage that. So we got to learn to manage that better. So going off of the discussion about hype, um, one of the big things with hype too is when an exclusive game is announced. Uh, and you want to actually talk about Dude, exclusives, right, Dom? Hype two is my most anticipated game, to be honest. Did I say hype two? <laughs> you said going <laughs> oh, okay. off of hype two. Oh, okay. I got you. I'm so <laughs> you. hyped for I hype two, man. Yeah, I got That's you good. as well. Hype as well. Um, yeah, Dom. So what's well, your topic? Here it is. I'm going to lay it out for you guys. Exclusive games are better than multi-platform games. Boom. Generally speaking. Because they are exclusive games, they are better. So, yeah, I'm not just going to leave you with just that. So, I didn't actually do this math, but my contention is that if you were to take the average Metacritic Metacritic scores from every exclusive game and weigh them against the average scores from every multi-platform game, your averages would be higher on the exclusive games 
and not that's just based off the an- anecdotal evidence I've had of seeing exclusive games consistently, not mostly consistently, being much more polished and for, quite frankly just better from a design and technical standpoint than multi-platform games, which makes perfect sense given the developers have dedicated time to just a single platform. They don't have to worry about porting it to yeah. other platforms. Now, that doesn't mean that a multi-platform game can't be better than an exclusive game, of course. Some developers can do more with less time and vice versa, whatever. But that's one less thing, one kind of substantial less thing that they have to worry about when making the game. And they can focus on just one box and making it play amazing on that box. Now, that being said, that's changing. That has changed this gen because the two boxes are so very similar. And they're also similar to PC. Whereas that used to not be the case, so it's less of a it's less of a hurdle to put games out on all platforms this gen than it was last gen, and even going back to like PS One and N sixty four, you'd have had to put your game on a cartridge for one and a disc on the other. That's like kind of a huge thing to ask of developers to do to get games on your platform. So curious your guys' thoughts. Am I crazy, or um, what's going on? No, so no, I think you're totally sane. This generation, though, uh, we actually have two duds on each side. Um, two Xbox exclusives, as far as console. Um, Halo 5 wasn't received very well, and ReCore wasn't received very well. Those are two. What, very... Halo 5? Halo what? 5 wasn't think... received very well. It wasn't. And I mean, it for a Halo game. Let's let's at yeah. least put that okay. caveat yes. in. That's fair. Yes. Um, I think for, like, most other games, it was received plenty fine. both of those have two different takes. Like, Halo 5, I think it's just people didn't like the direction it's being taken and stuff like that. Whereas Recore seemed like a very experimental game. Also, it shipped at 40 bucks, not 60 um, PlayStation had The Order 1886, which I think falls more in the experimental range of they're seeing how they can make this a game, and people felt that there wasn't a whole lot of content there. It looked really pretty, um, and that wasn't really a good hit. And No Man's Sky, which we all know how that went. Um, and like I said, the, well, as far as the being exclusive on the consoles, yeah. Shout out to Little Big Planet Three, which had a bunch of glitches and bugs. Even though that's not a big exclusive, yeah, it is a uh, PlayStation exclusive. And I think also uh, going to that argument, I think exclusives have a higher chance of being higher rated uh, as an average because there are so many more multi-platform games than there are exclusives. Um, but I think kind of talking about exclusives as well as like. Um, I do appreciate them from the aspect of like it makes me know why I own the console I do, you know, and I'm fine with the exclusives I have. Yeah, it sucks that I'm missing out on, you know, Last of Us or Uncharted or Alienation and Dead Nation and all these awesome games. But in a sense, I'm like, well, I have games that people on PlayStation can't play and I think they'd probably feel the same way, you know. Um, I think. I think exclusives are good for the brands. I don't think they're super good for the industry, and I don't think they're really good at all for gamers. Um, but I understand why they exist. And um, yeah, I just I think exclusives in general usually are higher polished. Um, but it's because you know they have the money behind them, like you said. They have a lot of support. They have a lot of time at the shows because they're the first parties or the second parties, usually. And uh, yeah, but sometimes it can backfire um, because if you're an exclusive, you're only going to be shown at that show and you don't get the kind of recognition you deserve from other places. So um, I'm interested to see how it goes from now on that we're seeing these indie games kind of only be timed exclusives and not necessarily 
wholehearted exclusives like Inside and Witness actually coming to the other platforms, albeit after a certain amount of time or Rise of the Tomb Raider. So, yeah, exclusives, they matter and they're important, but they kind of suck sometimes. Uh, so, yeah. So, as we know, Dom, the best game of the year, so far at least, is an exclusive. <laughs> oh, a Quantum Break. <laughs> and that's Quantum Break. Quantum Break is an incredible video game. And um, you can absolutely tell that um, it really did benefit from being on um, a single console. Now, it was also on PC, but Xbox One and PC are are similar. And um, you can feel the difference when you play an exclusive like Quantum Break. You can feel that um, the developer really did get to hone in on this specific system. You can feel the fact that they did have the... Uh, major backing from the first party studio or first party uh, company. You can feel the fact that um, they don't feel the pressure that maybe a third party studio does because they have that backing of the console manufacturer. So it means that they get earlier access to it. They get uh, they get to dive a little deeper into the code into the the uh, physical parts of the machine. And um, it almost always benefits the developer. Almost always, I think you have examples where it didn't. I just brought up Little Big Planet three, um, but I don't think that was necessarily because an exclusive because it was an exclusive that it got uh, messed up or that it had a lot of glitches. Um, so yeah, I think overall, I'm sure you know if you did a little list on Metacritic and took ten exclusive games from this generation. Um, and 10 third-party games, you definitely see a higher Metacritic score because um, there's a lot of stuff that they don't have to worry about that third parties do. And like you said, you know, putting it on three systems, PC, Xbox, and PS4, it's like that's a lot more work than just doing, let's say, PS4. Um, if you were, uh, let's say, I don't know, Sony's best first-party studio, Sucker Punch, making Infamous Second Son, who knows? All I'm saying is... Um, it's a lot easier for the developer, and I think it takes a big weight off of their shoulders, which is yeah. always a good thing. Developers always need uh, weight off of their shoulders when they're making video games. So um, maybe a few too many pot shots in that little diatribe, but <laughs> there um, you go. The thing, too, that we didn't discuss, and I think this is the worst part about exclusivity I'm fine with the game being exclusive because when I hear that game, I'm like, okay, Spider-Man, cool game. I'm excited to see people play that. I know I won't get to play it because it's a PS4 exclusive. The issue I have is exclusive DLC. That stuff really irritates me because the game isn't exclusive. And I understand why it exists. They probably get money for it to be specifically on that platform. But that's way dirtier to me than console. just a game being a console exclusive. And uh, I, I don't like that. So exclusive games actually have tremendous benefits to the developer and to the gamer, but you're right. Exclusive DLC is only a financial decision and nothing else. Yep, exactly. So I want to do a little what-if scenario here, guys. What if all games were exclusive? Like every game was tied to one single console or console and PC. Don't you think that would be quite interesting? I mean, it would kind of suck because, you know, you'd have to you'd basically like if we were sussing it out for ourselves, then it'd be like, all right, well, one console gets Mafia 3, and one console gets Rise of the Tomb Raider, and one console gets Battlefield, one console gets Titanfall. But, like we've just said in this conversation, it would benefit the developer and, in turn, the gamer, because 
those games would be more nurtured in that ecosystem. But there'd be so few, so much fewer games, though. I think the market wouldn't really exactly. accept it. I think the and also yet the figure that um, a lot of the best games would probably go to PC, considering that have the highest player uh, group. You yeah, know? yeah, so, that's true. So yeah, I think that would kill. I understand where you're coming from. It's an interesting argument. Um, I wish it would it's go, a DC Elseworld scenario. Yeah, I the problem I have is when like second parties or third parties kind of sign into exclusivity. I understand first parties a hundred percent, but it's when you get these like indie games that get signed as exclusives. That kind of is like just let everyone play it, you know. It, it, so you'd that's rather like in, sorry, go ahead. You'd rather Inside was day one on PS4 and Xbox. Yeah, I'm thankful at all that it came to P- PS4 and that Witness came to Xbox One. But I would love if they right. were day and date the same, whatever. Um, but yeah, like I'm fine with exclusives. I hate exclusive DLC. It's probably one of my least favorite things about the industry as a whole. Um, and yeah, just thanks Activision. Once again, you set trends that everyone else follows. <laughs> so, so I think bottom line is exclusive games. The downside is that fewer people have access to them, or it's you know it's more expensive for people to have access to both consoles or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But the positives are just I think they they outweigh that, uh, which is easy for me to say now because I could afford. Not as many consoles as I want, but I could afford all three of them. And, you know, I, I, there's no limit to my access, even if they're exclusive. So it's, it's, I'm in a place of privilege that I have access to everything. But um, I still think they're better, um, and they're great for the industry, and they're good for us because we're getting better games, like higher-quality games. I don't think we should go into Jordan's parallel universe where everything is, <laughs> is exclusive. But <laughs> it's I like an interesting idea. Them. It's an interesting idea. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it, it's it's for the best, and uh, I, I agree with you. Like, it sucks that I don't get to play Last of Us or Uncharted 4, but would I want him to be on Xbox and then it not be as good of a game? Exactly. Or bad of a game, if, if, <laughs> depending on who you're talking to. Um, yeah, so the last topic, I, <laughs> uh, when we t- we're talking about what we're going to be playing, um, I talked about at length the Battlefield 1 intro sequence, and... It's something that you can only really experience for yourself. It was really hard-hitting. It really made me think. And it was beautifully pieced together. Like, it was so well-respected of the individuals in that war. And it kind of set the stage for, this isn't your normal Battlefield game. This isn't a Call of Duty-esque campaign where there's explosions and gunfire and rah, rah, rah. This is serious. This is a war that happened. Real people died. Real people died, you know. I can't get over them showing those real names. And... um. It, it, it was just crazy to me. But anyways, my topic is like, I want to talk about why video games don't really approach real history that often. And obviously there's some a lot of made up parts of Battlefield 1, um, but it's its foundation is in real history in the Great War. And um, so is Valiant Hearts, and I love that game. Um, do you guys want to see more real history in video games, like games based on real history? Like the walking sim gen uh, genre can kind of fix that. Like what do you guys want to see as far as real history in video games? I, I do want to point out that Assassin's Creed is essentially built. It has mm, built its empire yeah. upon history. That's what I makes guess, those yeah. games most interesting. True. Gameplay it's also is, like a sci-fi game in a way. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the gameplay is, you know, good at best for the most part. But it's just being in those different historical worlds. Like, True. To this day, I still really want to play Assassin's Creed 3, even though everyone says it's an awful game. Because I love the American Revolution. That's such a cool time to me. I'd like to see how they handle that. Apparently it wasn't that well, but 
Yeah. It's not an awful game. It's just a, it's rough around the edges. Also, one thing I want to bring up about Assassin's Creed real quick. I was thinking recently about how um, I, I'm not trying to like really defend it here, but the thing is, is there's no other game that gives you the freedom of movement that Assassin's Creed does. And so everyone bashes it and says, "Oh well, I tried to jump here, but it didn't work." I think if they're, you know, I, I I'm really not trying to bash on Uncharted, but there are times on Uncharted where. I'm like, okay, I'm jumping here, and then Nate just, like, falls off a fucking cliff. So, um, I feel like four games, like, if there was any other game that gave you as much freedom of movement as Assassin's Creed, I definitely think that, um, those games would have just as many issues, so. Wait for that Spider-Man um, game. That game's gonna have a whole lot of free freedom of movement, hopefully. True. Yeah. True. I, like, Infamous uh, Second Son, even, it doesn't have nearly as much freedom of movement just because it is kind of directing you along a path. Um, but as far as the, the whole history thing goes, I think um, one of the reasons, Jared, is because, you know, as soon as this Battlefield 1 stuff started coming out, people are like, oh, using mustard gas as a game uh, mechanic is so, so insensitive. And, you know, using this uh, historical time setting... Uh, time setting. I don't know why I just said that. Um, <laughs> but using this historical setting is so insensitive. And how could you ever, like, you know, monetarily capitalize off of these types of things? And so I think it's uh, it's fear of backlash in a lot of ways because history is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, especially because of a lot of bad things that have happened in history. And so when you try to touch on those subjects, you know, people get really, really touchy-feely, and um, it's tough to get through that without um, just extra, extra criticism that you wouldn't have if you're making, you know, a, a fictional quantum break or whatever. So that's that's why it's cool that Battlefield 1 is doing exactly what Jared describes, where it's, it's simultaneously, like, honoring those people that did lose their lives in different ways. So it's not just monetizing it. It's monetizing it, but making a great game presumably and kind of paying telling some a story yeah and telling a story yeah so it's there like this is i which looks like it's shaping up to be a good example of how to handle that kind of war in a video game it looks like they're doing it pretty well so also don't forget that battlefield one in its current state almost didn't exist because publishers didn't feel that people wanted to play world war one um true yeah so we have to think about that too the thing is, is I think with the rise of indie games and the rise of walking simulators, I think walking sims could be, we talked about walking sims with Ian, I think walking sims are a beautiful introduction to real history because, you know, there is some weird disrespectful stuff that people might call out if you're, you know, shooting people in a game that's historically accurate and stuff like that, but in a walking sim, you usually don't do anything but walk around and explore and take in everything, and it's a, totally environment-based, and uh, I was talking about before the show, like, with the emergence of VR, wouldn't it be great to experience the Gettysburg Address or Martin Luther King's speech there in person and look around and see in a first-hand experience these events and like that's not a video game per se but like I do agree with you that the reason a lot of this isn't happening is because people feel that it's too insensitive or this or that but guess what a lot of history is insensitive a lot of bad things happen in yeah. history it doesn't mean that we shouldn't you know look yeah. back and remember those things like you that's know, why we watch Roots Exactly. Like, There's a fi or uh, twelve years a slave. There's a yeah. famous saying that says, "If you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it." And I think um, 
the, if, if there really is an emergence in history in video games, that'll lend itself to having more video games in the classroom. Because I do think if they're implemented in a correct way, I think having video games um, and teaching history that way will be a good way of teaching history to kids. Because history, I think, is one of the hardest subjects to teach to kids because they find it so boring and monotonous. But if you're able to put them in this 3D space and let them explore for themselves, I think it'll be a in really interesting way to get history back in the forefront of people's minds because a lot of important things happened and I think that you know there's a lot of interesting things you can do and you kind of have to skirt the line of what the real history is because there's plenty of fake history quote unquote in our history books and that we're fed and you it's up to the developers and the creators to give us the real story not the story yeah. we they people want us to be told um and I'm excited for that um I'm, I'm super interested in the history of video games too. Speaking of history and video games, I think it's really cool with Daniel Dwyer's new project of doing documentaries and stuff like that. Like we, I, we talked about it before, I wanted a 30 for 30 for video games and he's essentially making that, so that's gonna be cool. Um, but as far as Battlefield 1, I'll report back to you guys. I still have like nine hours to play on it. I'm gonna start, I'm not gonna really use any of that time in the multiplayer. I wanna dive into that story because it's so intriguing. Um, Probably finish it. Yeah. Hopefully, and I'll report back to you guys. I, I, they're calling them war stories too, and they're specific vignettes. So um, the first character is the one that kind of looks like the dude from Mr. Robot from the trailer. I don't know if you guys remember from the Battlefield mm. One trailer. There's a guy at the end that kind of looks like the lead guy in Mr. Robot. The first war story is him, and it's five parts. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm super intrigued by history and video games, and we'll see what comes next. Yeah, I definitely feel like it. You know, you were talking about. Um, actually having the realism there and not sugarcoating it. And I think that's a very important part. You know, the people that are complaining about Battlefield 1, it's like, well, they used mustard gas in World War One. so would you rather us just, you know... Yeah, exactly. Would you rather us, like, have you throwing rainbows at them and you just pretend it's mustard gas? You know, it's... it's yeah. You do, if you are making a historical game, just like a historical movie... Um, you know, in yeah, in Twelve Years a Slave, like Michael Fassbender beats the living shit out of this slave, and um, it's really the real way that it happened. It's not, you know, it's not sugarcoated whatsoever. And so, um, sugarcoating history is a dangerous thing to do. And so, I think video games can be some of the realest ways to experience that and to get that perspective. Let's come at it from the other direction, like. Or we used to have a ton of World War II games, not so much anymore. But World War II, I mean, if you ask someone, they'd probably tell you that it was an, an awful thing. But if yeah, you look at it yeah. from a different side, it was a great thing because we stopped the Nazis. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Like, that's what it took. It's, I don't know, just another also, perspective. Also, most of the history games we've gotten have been shooters. And I think that's what kind of yeah. pushes people off of it, too, is because, like, I don't want to shoot people that already died. So I think putting <laughs> history in different genres will help too. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see where Battlefield 1 takes me. Uh, getting to what we've been playing, or actually, that's the beginning of the podcast, Jared. What we're going to be playing. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm going to be trying to get through that Battlefield 1 campaign with the early access I have. Um, I really want to, I, I haven't had a chance to get Gears 4, but I really feel like playing Gears. So I might jump into Gears because uh, it's backwards compatible. All of them are Gears, Gears 2, Gears 3, and Judgment. So I might hop back into that with some friends and play through that because I love Gears. Um, and I, I'll probably get back to finishing the final station. I'm almost done with the review for that. And that's pretty much it. What about you guys? Oh, also watching episode 2 of Westworld, catching up on Atlanta as well. Oh, by the way, I watched the first episode of Rick and Morty. I didn't like it. 
Oh, but God. People said that it, it gets good by episode three. I watched the first episode. I absolutely didn't like it. Um, yeah, so what about you guys? What are you guys going to be playing and watching and reading? Persona 4 Golden. I'm excited to see. This is you're, – you're embracing new genres of video games. I'm interested to see your take on it because obviously, you know, Blessing or Jordan, they're very into that kind of game, and they're going to be positive. It is a good game, but they're going to be have a certain spin on it. I want to see – what you coming at it from a different perspective what's your idea of it is so the outside point of view exactly i'm i'm super super intrigued to see what happens um is that it just just persona 4 golden yeah i've been teetering on gears 4 too since i can buy it on pc which i i love that that's a thing um but i don't know if i'll end up doing that because just because i'd have to buy it digitally so 60 dollars for you know the 10 hour campaign or whatever and then i'd be done with it but I'm, it looks really good. Yeah. Um, but the value proposition, I don't know if it's totally there yet. Whereas if I could buy it physical, then at least I could, for one, get it cheaper on Amazon Prime, like 20% off, and then sell it when I'm done. But The fact that you don't have to buy a $300 console to play it, though, and you only have to spend 60 is pretty sick. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I said early on when they announced that. Like, well, Xbox just confirmed I'd never need to buy their box. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for them or for me. <laughs> not for me. Sunset yeah. Overdrive. <laughs> uh, Jordan, what are you going to be playing, watching, or reading? Uh, first, I had a question for you guys. Are you guys going to watch Luke Cage? <laughs> now that yeah, I've just need, like stomped I, on it? Yeah, I need, to, I need to watch it. I'm really intrigued by it. Jessica Jones is my second favorite Netflix thing behind Season 2 of Daredevil. Um, I actually like Jessica Jones quite a bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hop into it. I just haven't had... I've had time. I haven't gotten around to watching it, I should say. so. Um, and are you going to watch season six of Walking Dead before the new one, Jared? Uh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting conversation. I am kind of teetering on whether or not I even care about Walking Dead anymore. Um, Ooh. <gasps> yeah, like... I. No, that's a totally of, valid response at yeah. this point. I, I'm still sucked in, but I totally understand why people are done with part it. Of, part of me wants to watch the rest of season six and then watch season seven because I like those characters so much, but like... There's just so many things that I feel are better. Like, Westworld is so good. Um, Game of Thrones, obviously, is not currently on. It's so good. And, like, it's, like, where you want to put your time into. And I don't know if Walking Dead's a time sink I want to commit to because I don't know if I'm still there, you know? Um, yeah. So, I'm not saying no. I'll decide in the next couple of days, obviously. But I don't know. <sighs> I really don't know. Man, it's, it's you like saw... they, keep on, they keep on using, like, hitting on these same themes each season, like, over and over. Like, they just go yeah. back and forth on... What kind of person are you going to be in the apocalypse? Like this whole theme that we've seen play, see, theme that we've seen played out four or five times now, and they just use it over and over and recycle and recycle. And so I understand yeah. why people are getting sick of that. So let's see that's if they change the, it up, though. That's like what The Walking Dead is, though. That's like what the comic yeah. is. That's what the games are. Also, it's, like personally, that's what Walking Dead is. Both of the seasons of the Telltale games, I I enjoyed personally more than any of the seasons of Walking Dead. Um, so Ooh. that's me personally. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, and I, season I do, two is just so good. Season I, I, one and two. I do love the characters in Walking Dead. It's just like, do I want to dredge that again? It's not that I dislike the show because I still like it. But like I said, there's so much of a time commitment to that when there's so many other things I want to watch. Like Atlanta is so good. Westworld is so good. So we'll see. I'm not saying no, but I'm not uh, sure. You've seen the first half of the sixth season, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't – it's been so long, but I know I've watched at least – like four episodes of season six so yeah yeah i would say the second half is way better so that may may help you out there but um anyways what i've or what i'm going to be doing 
Um, gonna try to finish up Luke Cage uh, so that I can get back to Vikings and finish uh, season four before it comes back later on this fall. Um, gonna uh, play some more games, but I'm not sure what actually. Hopefully, get back to Blood and Wine because I'm about ready to finish that. Um, I hate to say it, but after well over 200 hours of The Witcher, it's starting to be like it's not that I'm tired. I don't like it or that it's boring or anything like that. It's just like I'm I'm pretty much ready to be done with that game. 200 so, hours will do that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm probably pushing 253 at this point with all the DLC. So um, I'm kind of ready to be done with Witcher. So I'm about ready to finish that up. Um, reading. What am I going to read this week? Oh, uh, I think I'm going to get back to Chronicles of Narnia because I uh-huh. I've read the the first two books and they're so short. I read them in like half yeah. a day. So um, love those books. Yeah, I might just like zip through one or two here uh, in this next week. And um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, lastly, before we go, I forgot to tell you guys, I actually, it'll be on the video portion, you guys can't see it now, but I bought a blind box for Spelunky, uh, I love that game so much, they had like a blind box figurines that you can buy for super cheap, so I bought one, and I got one of the characters from the game, so I thought that was pretty cool, you'll see it in the video portion, if you guys are watching. Uh, blind box, what is that? Yeah, so like, they sell, for any kind of like, franchise or IP, they have like, figurines that they sell like, comic book stores and stuff, and you can either buy the specific character for a certain price, or for a, a lower price, you get a blind box, and it's random what character you get. And it's big oh. for a bunch of stuff. And on the Splunky website, they actually had a Etsy-type artist who made them, and they sell them. And you can actually buy the whole set of all the characters. They're 8 bucks a piece, but you can buy the whole set for, like, 84 bucks, and it's, like, 14 characters. So you're getting, like, a really good deal. And they're really cool, like, well-made little figurines of all the different characters, the sprites from the game. Um, and I love that game so much. I've talked about it so much, but... uh yeah, it was really cool. I got one of the damsels from the game, so I might end up buying another one here or there to collect them all. Um, they're my Funko Pops, I guess. Gotta collect them all. Yeah, I love that game so much. I can go on and on about that game. Okay, man. Um, yeah, so we're going to be closing out the show here. We were talking about where we're going to be playing. Um, our giveaway ended. I forgot who won, but we notified them on Twitter, and they actually um, were excited that they won our PC gaming giveaway. They were super stoked. Forgot his name. Sorry about that. I think his name was Javier. I'm not too sure. Um, Javier, congrats, so, Javier. <laughs> our PC uh, game giveaway is over. Unfortunately, we'll have future giveaways. Uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, thank you guys for listening or watching episode 32 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, we don't have a custom URL yet, so just search Controlled Interest and we'll pop right up. Follow us on almost Twitter. Almost to 50. Almost. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest abbreviated, to stay updated with all of our latest uploads and content. You can find me at Jared underscore, you can find Dom at Dom's Oreos, and you can find Jordan at Mellow Modus. Um, also, if you can please rate us on iTunes, um, feel free to share our videos, podcasts, because the bigger we grow, the better our content becomes, and in return, you guys get a better product and experience. Uh, yeah, thanks, and we'll see you guys in episode 33. Bye.